Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident. And Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. Present Round Guy Radio Southeast Iowa Today. I'm John Bain, author of Christie's Journey, The Beat Goes On, and your host. On today's episode, I am at the Senator Chuck Grassley Q&A at Gingrich Well and Pump Service in Kelowna, Iowa on April 13th, 2023. The Senator had visited Marion, Mahaska, and Keokuk counties and wrapped up in Washington County this afternoon. Uh, some of the audio where you hear the folks' questions uh, are somewhat hard to hear, but don't worry, the Senator repeats them and you'll be able to hear their questions as well. And uh, yours truly ask the center about Hunter Biden's laptop. So you want to listen to that. I would. 
I don't see a few thousand people every year by face to face, so this is always an admonition to you and all the, even the kids at Pella High School, because when you can't see me face to face, I need to know what's on your mind, so email me or post mail me, or uh, people call in and you leave your name and address. Uh, I answer on paper. So the essence of representative government is this two-way communication you and I are going to have. So that's all I say to open a meeting. And uh, now the agenda is yours. And uh, sometimes if somebody up here asks me a question and I forget to repeat it so you can't hear it, yell out, repeat the question. So who's got the first question? Okay. President, and the president won't veto it. We won't have a two-thirds vote to override the veto. 
So I guess you'd say, except for what the court is saying, this is still a regulation. I don't, I, I believe that there's a couple Supreme Court decisions that coming down in June, they've already been argued, that would really curb because they deal with wetlands. They don't deal directly with waters in the U.S. regulation, but they deal with wetlands. And uh, I think that it's going to curb a lot of regulation writing in this area. That's just my view, make, considering the makeup of the new Supreme Court the last four or five years. Because there's a lot more conservatives on it now than there was. Um, and these cases that I'm talking about in the Supreme Court are coming under, I'm not a lawyer, you know, but I can know a little bit of what the Supreme Court might say. They come under the provision of the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution that says if the government deprives you of the use of your land or they take it from you, they got to pay you for it. Well, that's, you know, when you build a road, you get paid for it if they take part of your land. But if you have a regulation that deprives you of the use of your land, shouldn't you be paid the same way? And it seems to me that, that that's a, a good position to take, and I think that's the way the Supreme Court's going to say that a case in Idaho, and I don't know where the second one is from, dealing with wetlands, that that may be what the government's trying to do. Does that help you? Okay. And any follow-up questions legitimate? And if any of you want to take a position different than what I said, I'd be glad to listen to it. Okay, next question. Yes.
do it, yet, but I still tell you that there's people in Washington working on it from this standpoint. And the other one that I'm going to start with is more, probably got more to do with the quality of the workers you have, as opposed to the number of workers you have. But presently, uh, and there's a lot of people that need training and can't get what you call Pell Grants to go to college. You got to, if you get a Pell Grant, you got to work towards a two-year degree at a community college or a four-year degree at a, at a university, or you can't get that sort of help. So we would extend the Pell Grants to people that get certificate programs. Like if you went to community college or how to be a plumber, maybe that takes six or eight months, you could get a Pell Grant for them. The second one is, deals with a bigger problem that we got a lot of government programs that disincentivize people to work. And uh, you can call them welfare programs, but there's some other, maybe you could even include the unemployment programs that we have. Those are for shorter periods of time. But if you, if you are on those programs and you want to go get a job, you earn $1 more than what those programs are worth, you're going to lose everything. So it seems to me, instead of discouraging people from, is this irritating you when I, when you got that feedback? I don't mean to irritate you. Uh, anyway, uh, we should not have government programs discouraging people to work. But people have a certain amount of security from government programs and they know they're going to lose them if they go to work. So we ought to encourage people to go to work, but if you make more money, you don't lose them all at the same time. You might lose 10% now, and then you get some more money, you've got to figure it out. That's the second suggestion that I would give you. Well, I guess I gave you three. Immigration, if we can get some immigration passed. Number two, Pell Grants, and number three, what we just talked about. Okay, next question. If I'm not looking at you, yell at me. So kind of piggybacking off that on the labor, uh, I own a company that builds, remodels, services, hog buildings across the Midwest, and H-2A visa workers are a big part of the labor source for, for what accomplishes that. Uh, the facilities themselves were tight cash flow before last year's inflation, and the 20% jump last year, um, you know, made it not existed. Now, H2A visa workers have been pushed to prevailing wage, which state by state varied in Illinois, jumped to 73%. And there's a lawsuit going on in Northwest Iowa currently, where the unions are pushing that on top of that, they should also get time and a half. So. Uh, in Illinois, for example, uh, it got pushed 73%, they're $45 an hour, time and a half is $67 an hour, which virtually takes any chance of uh, livestock facilities cash flowing you know, out of the realm. Is there a chance that if they do get time and a half, those wages could go back to the uh, federal adverse effect wage? I don't believe so. Now, this is a program that is legal immigration, and except for a limit put on the number of people that can come in, uh, 
that's about the only issue that we deal with. Now, most employers want that to be raised a lot more. So your question is more, I should back up. There might be a way to help with that if you want me to follow up with you, with if it's under regulation by the Secretary of Labor, and he's got some discretion in that, maybe I could uh, could uh, contact the Secretary of Labor and see what the possibilities are of doing that. But if it's by law, no, there wouldn't be any chance I could help you because you you wouldn't. And I don't disagree with you, but I just know how difficult it is in the Democrat Senate to get anything done that, that the labor unions uh, want. Did, did I answer your question? If I didn't, follow it up with another one. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, next question. Yes. Is Biden making an effort to close the southern border? Uh, I would, I'll tell you what I would do. But I think you get back to the answer I just gave to this gentleman. The president's got to decide to enforce the border. And so I have already voted for money in the previous administration to build the wall that we have. And I think it should be finished. Uh, and I don't think it'd take much to finish it, but it's not going to be finished in this administration. I would. I would do more border patrol people, but if you stop to think, the border patrol is to protect the border and to keep people from coming to this country illegally. But when the president invites people to violate our laws and invites them into the country, then the people that are supposed to keep them around the country are spending all their time with the paperwork to keep track of them. If that does any good, because even if you even if you register, it might be four or five years that they can roam the country uh, while they're waiting to be appearing before some immigration judge. Uh, and and I suppose some, maybe even some in this room would say, Grassley, aren't you being a little hum inhumane? This country's so rich, we can take all these people. But it isn't a question of being uh, humane or inhumane. And it isn't just the people that are coming to the country, it's what comes with them. So you got fentanyl coming into this country killing 70,000 people last year. And uh, then you've got 800 or 900 people dying in the desert or drowning in the river coming over here. And then you have people with criminal records coming in here and creating crime and killing people. And then you have, uh, you have uh, rapes of women on the way through Mexico, and you have uh, human trafficking, and you have uh, people that are on the terrorist watch list, 108 so far this year that have gotten into the country. So it isn't just a question of humane or inhumane to people that come from a poor country. It's a case of life or death. And I don't know why the president doesn't see the life or death issues with it uh, of the law not being enforced. that help you? Okay, next question. Yes? How has God been working in your life recently? How has God been working in your life recently? 
of a tough question to ask because we tend to think we do everything by ourselves and we don't. Uh, you know, I'm going to start with some basics and maybe it doesn't even answer your question. I consider myself a follower of Jesus Christ. I accepted him as my personal savior a long time ago. I uh, try to study the things that are in the scriptures and follow them, but I'm not perfect. Everybody knows that. In fact, if I'm in politics, I'm never going to be perfect you know, in people's minds you know, and stuff like that. I think that you find yourself in prayer a lot from time to time, sometimes for a long period of time, sometimes maybe for five seconds. You tend to depend on God. You tend to see that as some answers to your questions. Maybe I'm not even answering your question. Perfect. What? Perfect. Oh, well then let's stop there. <laughs> Next question. That's, I should feel comfortable giving answers like that, but sometimes you wonder how many people, you know, you got a right in the United States to freedom of religion, but you got a right for freedom from religion, and you got a right to believe or not believe whatever you want to do. And so some of you may be uh, secularists, and I don't mean to offend you, but he asked me the question. So if you're offended, tell him. <laughs> okay, who's next? Yes. How can the American public gain uh, confidence in our in our world in our world without manipulation? Okay. What can be done? Uh, the question is. If, I, if I'm not repeating your question right, you correct me. You'd like to know how we can have confidence in our election. Yeah. Is that the way to say it? Yeah. Well, what's, what's happened in the past, you can't do anything about. You've got to get ready for the elections for the future. But you learn from the past. And uh, so first of all, I'm going to give you what it's been for 240 years, and I'm going to tell you what Pelosi wants to do about it, and you can choose what you like. But right now we have 50 different laws in 50 different states on election, because that's what the federal constitution says, is the state legislature decides the manner of elections. Now Congress can intervene in that, but except for having the congressional elections, and the presidential elections on the same day, that's about all we've said. Oh, there might be some other things because we have federal campaign laws that deal with the elections and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to tell you that it's done in 50 different ways in 50 different states and the legislature makes that decision. So then after the 2020 election, when everybody has doubts about whether it was fair or not, some states took some action to make sure it was fair. The Iowa legislature was one of them, but they never did it all in the same way. So you got to, I'll just use Georgia as an example. 
You have people saying that the changes that Georgia made were suppressing votes. And how can anybody, uh, particularly from New York, Connecticut, New Jersey, and Delaware, where the president's from Delaware, how can you say that Georgia, that allows early voting three weeks ahead of time, and it has, uh, uh, I guess you call satellite voting, when New York and New Jersey and Delaware, they don't even have early voting. And they're run by Democrats, Democrat parties in those states, and they're accusing a Republican legislature in Georgia of suppressing votes. It just doesn't add up, but the press doesn't give fairness to that point of view that I just expressed to you for Georgia. So now Pelosi, she's not Speaker of the House now, so this isn't going to happen. But for two Congresses in a row, she passed a bill on the House Representatives that couldn't get through the the Senate, because it would never get 60 votes to do that, she wanted to do away with state laws and have one federal running election. And, and, and I would think you would not want that. So now you got a follow-up question?
But once those votes are counted, there's nothing in the Constitution, even if you find out later that there is enough fraud or irregularities to, to say that Trump was elected, there's just no way to get Biden out except by impeachment or resignation. That's, that's the best answer I can give you to your question. So, yeah, so with, with, with a follow-up question, that is, um, on January 6th, you could have contested the vote. And because under the Constitution, there was, there, we should have looked at all the evidence before it was just voted through. And you personally voted it through. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it, he's talking about the January 6th election. So, so, now, so now that you see, I mean, what evidence did you see to vote it through without, without taking the 10-day under the Constitution to re-look at all the evidence? I guess I don't know the exact number of appeals to courts or, or checks by people that were trying to find a reason why Trump should be president after all those attempts and not being successful at it. Uh, that was the conclusion I came to, that with all those checks and balances of our government through the courts and it didn't make a case. So, so you basically went off of what the courts, you went off of what the courts told you then? In other words, when it was voted to accept the electoral votes, I voted yes. For what? The, because you just basically went off what the courts said. Uh, or did you look at evidence yourself? Well, that, that took in almost every example you could of irregularities or fraud that would make a difference. Because this was in what five or six different states. Okay, next question. We've got time for one or two more. And sir, you mentioned uh, the possibility of impeachment of President Biden as a way to uh, to uh, remedy the uh, outcome of the previous election. Um, we see evidence every day as as Americans and citizens of America of lots of reasons to be checking into this guy. The biggest one came out in October 2020 with Hunter Biden's laptop. You have Babalosa, who worked with Hunter Biden, sit there on television, national TV, and said that Joe Biden was the big guy. And 10% went to the big guy. Now, years have gone by, and the mainstream press says, hey, there's something to this laptop. But in the meantime, we have to worry about transgenders going into women's sports and all this other stuff. They've got the war in the Ukraine, all these different uh, distractions, and Hunter Biden's free. The big guy is probably still getting his 10%. Is there anything to this laptop? Yes, there's plenty to it. Yes. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But just in case, I wouldn't expect you to know what I do or don't do. Or you might know what I don't do, but I don't really <laughs> pay any attention to what I do. So anyway, starting in August of 2019, I started investigating Hunter Biden. And for the first two years I was investigating him, 
my Democrat colleagues, including me and Senator Johnson of Wisconsin, of spreading Russian disinformation. And it was until uh, a year ago right now, the press finally was willing to admit that we were not spreading Russian disinformation. That's what you're up against. Right. You're trying to do something. Now, we do have the advantage, since uh, Johnson and I are in the minority, we don't have the, the power of subpoena. We're fortunate that we have somebody in a couple of committees chairing the House committees that are using the subpoena to get a lot of information we couldn't get. But if you go back to March and early April, a year ago right now, you'll find three speeches that Johnson and I gave on the floor of the, of the Senate that, where we had placards with documents from Chinese energy people that were paying a million dollars to Hunter Biden and uh, some more to the uncle and I guess maybe somebody else. Uh, and, you know, I don't have enough to say has that influenced our relationship with China, but it sure raises the prospects of it. But now you're going to find the House getting into it even deeper than we did. But we had documents from the Cathay Bank, and that's a Chinese bank, where we got these records. That proves that they were, we had the, the money transfer documents that we showed on the floor of the House and Senate. So, <coughs> so now, <coughs> when, when, when we investigate, then people say, uh, what are you going to do about it? That's a legitimate question. But Congress doesn't prosecute. The executive branch prosecutes. And so do you think that Biden or the Democrat Department of Justice is going to prosecute? No. They should, otherwise we don't have equal application of the law. Right. And, and lady justice should be blind. Okay, so how did you get the last one? Okay, go ahead. So you've been in politics a long time, and you've probably seen a lot of things come and go over the years. Um, how do you, how do you not feel completely hopeless when you go to D.C. week after week and you see little to no change? Like, how do you stay encouraged? And what would you tell the general public? Like, there is hope, or is it is it actually pretty? Everything's stuck in the mud, and nothing's going to change. I have great hope, but I'm going to give you the reason I have great hope, and you may disagree with it. I do feel hopeless sometimes, but I never give up, because I wouldn't be working for you if I did give up. But I think I look at 240-year history of our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, and we've gone through a lot of things that are worse than more going through right now and, the, and the, the history of our country and the tradition of how we make decisions and uh, the protection of the Constitution that protects you from the government. I mean, everybody thinks the Constitution says it can, the government can do anything it wants to. We got a principle of limited government, best expressed in the Tenth Amendment. All the powers not given to, this, to the federal government are reserved to the states and the people thereof. And as long as we keep that principle of limited government and the Constitution protects you from your government and you can do what you want to do within the law, 
That was Senator Chuck Grassley's Q&A at Gingrich Well and Pump Service in Kelowna, Iowa. This was recorded on Thursday, April 13, 2023. The senator had visited Marion, Mahaska, Keokuk counties earlier in the day and wrapped up his visit in southeast Iowa in Washington County. And uh, stay tuned because you will hear, I'm going to have in another episode, the actual uh, press conference that he conducted afterwards. And yours truly uh, participated in that and got a couple more questions in with the senator. So I hope you'll listen. This has been Southeast Iowa Today, presented by Griner Auto Body of Washington, Iowa, using state-of-the-art techniques and decades of experience to get your car back on the road after an accident and Car Doctor of Washington, Iowa. No matter who Frankensteined it, they can fix and clean and customize it. I'm your host, John Bain. On behalf of Round Guy Radio, stay friendly, Southeast Iowa.